morning. Our reading for today is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Listen now to the word of the Lord. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Uh, as you guys have uh, shared a little bit already, Pastor Dave is uh, recovering. It seemed like the surgery went well, and he's back at home right now. And so I'm glad his children are all here this morning. I'm assuming he's doing well. As good as he can be, I guess. So thanks, everyone. Continue to please pray for Pastor Dave. Uh, for those who are new to our church, my name is uh, Danny. I serve as the youth pastor. Uh, we've been going through a series on the New City Catechism, a series of teachings about the Bible and the doctrines of the Bible. And so today we're going to be continuing our series on question number 2042. So can we read this question out loud together and let's read the answer together. We have a PowerPoint. I like, some of you guys who heard me speak, I like PowerPoints. I think it's part of my engineering background that I have. Um, So PowerPoints are nice. All right, so let's read question 42 together. How is the word of God to be read and heard? And the answer is... With diligence, preparation, and prayer, so that we may accept it with faith and store it in our hearts and practice it in our lives. All right, so let me uh, pray for us, and we'll get started. Dear God, I thank you for this morning and this opportunity uh, to be here. God, we continue to pray for Pastor Dave and just uh, just for a healthy and a quick recovery, Lord God. Just pray for comfort, as I'm sure uh, it can be a little uncomfortable um, and I know he's worried for us, and he doesn't want us to fuss too much over him. Um, but uh, he's such a, a dear man to each and one of us. And so, God, we just pray for your, your hand to continue to be upon him and just upon his family. As we now hear your word, I pray that you would speak loud and clear. And, God, you would give us receptive hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so this morning, uh, given the great task of sharing a little bit about the word, and I think the word is something that's very valuable to us as a church. Um, so I feel that um, there's just so much to say. And this week, I was just, there's so many, like, what do I talk about? There's so many amazing things about the Bible. Um, and so today, I'm going to kind of do a little bit more on a, a survey of various passages. I normally like just picking one passage, just kind of going deep. Uh, but today, I kind of felt led to uh, change it up a little bit and to share on a variety of passages. So two questions I'm going to just be asking us primarily. First, what is the scriptures? Um, and second of all, how should we hear and read the Bible? Okay, so I'm going to try to tackle those two questions. So first of all, what is the scriptures? In some sense, you know, it's simple. It's the Bible, right? It's the word of God. Um, but in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we see that the scripture is revelation. Scripture is revelation. Okay? So to understand what is revelation, revelation simply means to reveal, right? Something that was unknown before has now become known. Something that was not understood now has become explained, right? And that's what simply revelation is. God is revealing something. He's revealing himself. And that's the heart of scripture is God revealing himself to us. 
Like without God revealing himself, we would not understand. So God must reveal himself. And that's what the Bible ultimately is, is a revelation of God himself. So look at Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 2. It reads, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in, the, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So in this passage, it's interesting, in Hebrews 1, he says, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke. God spoke. Right? And so how did he speak? He says he spoke through the prophets. And he said in many ways and in, in many times. And so as he's talking about, we understand the collection of all his things that he spoke is the Old Testament. God spoke to us through audible voice. We think of uh, Moses when he heard directly from God in the burning bush. Or we think of Samuel when he received his calling. Or we think of God writing directly, like through the Ten Commandments. Or the handwriting that was on the wall in Daniel. Or he writes, speaks in visions or by dreams. Or theophanies, which is God coming uh, in physical form or through angelic messengers. But basically, God spoke in a variety of ways, as it says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke. And so, as we talk about revelation, God is revealing himself. He speaks to us in all these various forms, as we now know it as the Old Testament. And, but he says in verse 2, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. And I, simply, that would be the New Testament, right? All of the, the New Testament is about Jesus. The gospel is Jesus talking to us directly. You have the book of Acts talking about how the gospel is being extended to the, about Jesus to the, rest, to the ends of the earth. The epistles are talking about the ministry of Jesus and the life of Jesus. And Revelation is when Jesus comes back. And so as we understand Revelation, God has to reveal himself to us. And we see it through the Old and New Testament. It leads us to another question. Why does God need to reveal himself? Like, don't, do we need this special revelation of God? And in Ephesians 4.18, uh, it reads, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. And again, Paul's explained that we are darkened in our understanding, alienated from life of God because of the hardness of our hearts. So without God interceding, without God stepping into, into this world, we would never understand God. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says something very similar. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is, un, he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Again, basically, we are unable to come to accurate thoughts of God from our own efforts. No matter how hard we try, we will never understand and in 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 13, it says, For these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not from the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we part this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. In this verse, he has this analogy. In verse 11, I'll read again. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? 
So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Basically, the only way you know someone is they have to share with you their words, their thoughts, their ideas, and you have to, under, you have to actually hear them. I mean, I guess I kind of think about, like, if I were to, like, spend time with my wife, and she never spoke to me ever, she never wrote me a letter, and we just hung out. I could speculate what she likes, maybe with a few nods. I guess I think I know what you're saying. Um, but I would have really, I don't know what she's really thinking. I don't know how creative she is or all the imagination, all the dreams she has. I could maybe get the basic things. Oh, she likes Japanese food. She likes Korean food. But I would not know like, the, the, the deep things of her heart. And that's why you need words, right? She has to let me know what she's really thinking. My wife jokes around that I know I could read her mind when I do the right thing every once in a while, but that's only because I spend enough time with her to guess occasionally correctly. But more often times or not, I guess wrong, and I do the wrong thing because I don't always understand her. Or I'm just selfish and I just want to do my own thing, right? So, um, so God has to reveal himself. There's no way to know him unless he tells us who he is. And that's the scripture. That's why it's a revelation, God revealing himself to us. In John 5, 37 to 40, um, Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees, and as he's rebuking the Pharisees, uh, he tells them that you're misunderstanding the purpose of the scriptures. And I guess I want us, for us to consider, are we misunderstanding the scriptures ourselves? He declares that the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So in here, he's saying that the Pharisees, why they look to the scriptures, they want eternal life. Basically, they want the blessings of God, they want all the perks of God, but they're leaving out God. They're leaving out the relationship with God. And so he rebukes them saying, why do you search the scripture? Is it just eternal life? And he's saying, there's so much more. What's the purpose of the scriptures? He says, it is, to, it is a witness about Jesus. In verse 37, the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. And in verse 39, it is they that bear witness about me. So when you read the Bible, the thing that we're supposed to hear most is about Jesus. You're supposed to hear about God. More than like the rules and all the ordinances and the commands that God has for us, those are wonderful and beautiful things. But the ultimate thing that we're supposed to hear is Jesus. It's about God. What are you hearing about God, who God is, about his nature, about his person? And so I want us to ask, when we come to the scriptures, do we see God or do we just see a bunch of rules? Do we just see a bunch of mandates that God calls us to do or do you see God? That is the purpose. And so scripture is God revealing himself about himself. Scripture is not God revealing himself about what you should be doing every day and all the little details of your life. God does have answers for many of those things, but ultimately it's about God revealing himself about himself. And so I want us to, again, to ask, when I read the scriptures, do I see God or do I just see myself and what I need to do? So that's first. Uh, Scripture is revelation. Um, Second, uh, we see... Scripture is God-breathed. And that's the verse that we read today in 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. 
so the thing that I want to really highlight is the word God breathed. And, and basically, it's the, the importance of this word is that God produced these words. God took the initiative, his own effort, to make these words happen. Um, again, it's a decisive, decisive expression of revelation of God's mind, will, and heart. I think uh, one of the, um, I guess, one of the translations in the past, I guess when they translated it in Latin, they, had, they used the word, instead of the word spire, they used inspire. And so we get this idea of God's word is inspired. And the weakness of the word inspire is you had, you had the word spire, but they added the word in in front of the word spire. And so it's breathe, but then they add in breathe, which so is the idea of God somehow took some words and then made it more powerful somehow. Right? So like that same word is the concept is used when God took uh, dust and he made Adam and Eve. He breathed life into these dust and all of a sudden they became people. The reason uh, why that would be a weak point, it might be a subtle point, but for me it's a very big point. It's not that God just took some random words and go, oh, I like what these authors said. Oh yeah, I like what that person said. All right, let me breathe life into them and all of a sudden they're going to be special and magical. Wow, mystical. These words are amazing. You know? Or the flip side, where you know, God said a bunch of things, and then someone thought, oh man, I like all these different writings. Let me put it together, and I'll create the Bible. And so it's not man's effort to understand God. But when it says God, the word of God is breathed out by God, God himself took the energy to make the words. God took the energy to reveal himself to us. So this is the very word of God. This is God teaching about himself, right, to us. And so I want us to, if we have that attitude, then we take one thing that uh, in our uh, middle school class, in our youth group, uh, Charles helps me to teach. And so one thing he likes to share, every word matters. Yes. Can you say one more time to the, to the middle school? You, every word matters. All right, good. And so because every word is produced by God himself, all scriptures God breathed, that every word actually matters. There's no accidental word or God's not casually saying, oh, I don't know, maybe I could say it this way. Huh, maybe... That's a good rough draft. Other people, they'll get it. They'll understand what I'm saying. No, God doesn't give us rough drafts. God gives us the word that he wants us to hear. So I want us to understand that the word of God, every word matters because they're breathed out by God. All right. So now we go into the question. Now that we understand the scripture, is is a revelation of God and they're produced by God himself, and every word matters, uh, how should we hear and read the Bible? How should we hear and read the Bible? And that's the main bulk of what we're going to be talking about, is then how do we hear this? So for us, I want to kind of highlight Peter's insight for us, and then I want to look at two illustrations that Jesus gives us. So first, let's go to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16 through 19. And this is Peter sharing about the importance of the word of God. Second Peter 1, 16 through 19. So in 2 Peter 1.16, it says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesties. So as he's going to talk about, he's going to talk about various things that have happened to his life. And a lot of people are like, yo, that's so cool. That's amazing. That's so awesome that you got to experience it. So the first thing is that they were eyewitnesses of Jesus. They got to see Jesus, right? For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. 
And what is he referring to? He continues, We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. So he's talking about the transfiguration, right? He's at the, he's, he's, and he's, Peter, James, and John are able to witness this glorious scene where Jesus hangs out with some of the Old Testament prophets, and you hear the voice from heaven shout, this is my son, whom well pleased. And so the question that I want to ask is, if you had the opportunity, how many guys would really like to see God's glory? A lot of us, right? We'd be like, oh, that'd be so awesome if I could physically see how if you could hear like a tangible voice, an audible voice saying, this is my son, you'd be like, whoa, that would be exciting. How many of you guys would like to hear that? So the question that I would ask is, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a physical manifestation of God like appearing in this kind of way? Or would you rather hear an audible voice? Or would you have the, rather have the Bible? I think, for me, honestly, I would probably pick one of the first two. That just sounds a lot more exciting and fun and and I would like have this life-altering moment, right? And I, for me, that's what I would naturally lean in. I, I don't know, maybe you guys are more spiritual than me, but that's kind of what I would lean to, something like that. But what Peter says in the next verse is very eye-opening, and I feel like it's very uh, stirring for us. And he says in verse 19, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to the lamp shining in the dark, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Verse 19 says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. More fully confirmed. In the NASB version, uh, it says, we also have a more sure word of prophecy. We have a more sure word of prophecy. So he's saying, even though this physical manifestation and this auto voice is great, there's something better. You know what's better? The word of God. That is better than this physical manifestation and this audible voice. The word of God, that's the ultimate thing. And Peter, even though he had the full range of experience, he's communicating to us at the church, you have the word of God. That's the most amazing thing. And so I, I, I think it's not wrong for us to long for those experiences, and I think it's a wonderful thing to pray and ask God for. But God says, I have given you the best thing. Ultimately, Jesus, but I've given you the word. Right? I've given you the word. And so I hope we don't look down at the word or despise the word. You're like, I've heard this stuff. I know this stuff. But you, you take that same sense of enthusiasm. Like, wow, yeah, those other things are great. But God has given me his word. Wow, this is amazing. So I want us to, again, not to overly, again, sensationalize or the other things. Those are great, again, but that we would have an appropriate worth and appreciation that we've been given the word of God. Scripture is greater. All right, so that's Peter's insight for us. Um, now let's look at Jesus. He gives us two illustrations. The first one is the parable of the sower. Um, I guess a couple of weeks ago I, I shared with some of the college students this passage. So, um, But let's turn to Matthew 13, 1 through 9. Again, this is a very fa- famous story of, the, of a uh, sower who's spreading seed all over the place. And in verse 3 he says, And he told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, many seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depths of soil. But when, they, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. 
he who has ears, let him hear. All right, so again, it's a hopefully a very famous, uh, familiar story for many of us. Again, there's the sower spreading seed all over the place. You have this one on the path, throws some there. You see some with the rocky ground, throws some here. You see some with thorns, throws it on there. And then there's some good soil, spreads it out. And the sower, he, he's generous. He spreads to everywhere, all over the place. Um, and so the question comes, what is he talking about? And the beauty of this particular passage is that Jesus actually tells us the secret. He tells us the insight of what's going on. So a few verses later, he explains what does this actually mean. So the first thing that we see is that the seed is the word of the kingdom or scripture or the gospel, right? It's the message, right? So basically, God is not discriminating. He's sharing the message to everybody, right? So what is the soil? And the soil that we hear in this passage is something that was, the seed was sown in man's heart, right? You see this actually in verse uh, 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So the soil is actually talking about the human heart. The human heart. So the thing that I want us to, to, make, a, a, to make sense of this is that God is sharing his message all, all the time, all over the place. The difference between each person is not about your talent, it's not about your intellect, it's not about your willing to pay attention or any of that stuff. It's actually your heart. Right? Your heart is the thing that matters. So the question that for us is like, what is your heart attitude that you have today? What is the condition of your heart? Right? And so we're going to talk about three negative heart conditions, three attitudes that are not healthy. And then we're going to see the good soil that is the antithesis of all that. It's the positive of all those things. Because maybe the reason some of us are not bearing fruit is not our lack of intellect or understanding. It's just our heart attitude is horrible. We just have a bad attitude. And I just, I want, as we share this, because the main part of this, our study today is how should we hear and read the word of, God, word, word of God? And I want to say it's your heart attitude. That's actually really critical. And I want us to consider what is happening in your heart. Uh, just to, again, reiterate the importance of the heart. In, in this middle section right between the parable of the sower and the parable of the sower explained, he explains the purpose of the parable. And in verse 13 and 14, he says, This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. Hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's hearts has grown dull. For this people's heart has grown dull. And so he's saying, the problem is your heart. If your heart was in a better place, you would receive this and you would have this good soil and you would bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold, but it's a heart. That's the problem. So let's look at these three different heart things. The first one, again, it fell on the path. It fell on the path. Basically, they hear the word of God. They don't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches it away. And I guess for me, I see it as someone who has a hardened heart, Right? They're not willing to listen. They're not considering. That's the first one. We're going to come back and we'll talk about the positive of these ones. First, they have a hardened heart. They, they, no matter who says anything to them, they're not listening. Nor even if they're listening, they just don't get it. The second one is the rocky path. And again, in verse 20, it says, As well as sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while and... and 
And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And so basically, he's like, life's good. Oh, man, it's fun loving Jesus. Ooh, this is a little hard. Oh, man, persecution troubles. Oh, no, this is, oh, I don't like this. I don't want this trouble. I don't want this difficulty. And he gives up, right? That's the second person, the second soil. The third soil is on the thorns. In verse 7, other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And so basically, uh, what is he talking about? He says, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. Basically, when you have the soil, there's many different things that can be growing. You have the word of God, but then you're like, oh, my career, I have relationships, I have other ambitions and dreams. And so all these things are growing, except something grows faster than the other things. So maybe our relationship with God grows a little slower, but all these other things are so much more exciting and things are happening so much faster that it starts choking out the word. It starts choking out your relationship with God. And all of a sudden, these things that are good also start taking you away from God. So that's the third kind of soil. And that said, the fourth soil uh, produces hundredfold, 60 or 30. And I would say it's the opposite of the previous three. So what are the opposite things? Like, how can we now look in the positive way? So the first one, as we said, is a hardened heart. And the way I kind of, I would say the positive one, I would say is teachable. Someone who is teachable. And when I say teachable, it's more of like the hunger to learn. Do you have that enthusiasm to learn? I've, uh, when I did some college ministry, I remember hanging out with one of these guys uh, at Berkeley, and uh, he, I would always ask him, how was the message today? And he would say, oh, just all right. I'm like, so why was it just all right? Uh, I didn't, the preacher didn't say anything new today. I've heard all the stuff before. So who cares if you've heard it before? Is it good? Like, no, nah, he has to like, give me new insight. Mine, ha- mine has to be blown by the insights of God. And so like, every time your mind's not blown, you think it's a bad message, basically. And I'm like, wait, is that, is that right? I don't think that's right. And that's this idea of being unteachable. You're like, unless you like tickle my ears the right way, you put it together in the right way, I'm not going to listen. But the word of God who is on the right side here is someone who can learn from anybody. I believe you can learn from a child. You can go to the CM and a child would say something super insightful. You're like, that's so simple, but that's amazing. That is so true. You're right. That's someone who's teachable. They can hear from anyone, anywhere. They could take random literature and go, whoa, I see God working in this. They could watch a movie and go, God spoke to me through this. This was amazing. Because they're so teachable. They're trying to see God everywhere. They see God, and God speaks to them. And so that's the question. Are you hungry to hear the word of God? Or do you just want your ears tickled? Do you just want to hear cool insights? Because otherwise, in this passage, it says... It comes in one year, Satan comes, snatches it out, and takes it away from their heart. One of the things that I think saddens me uh, uh, at church, um, and I think it's just a common thing, so I'm not here to like, point fingers or blame anyone, but it breaks my heart when I ask, again, how's the message today? And people just say, it's all right. Why, did our pastor give a bad message? Did he say something wrong? Like, no, it was fine. It was good as always. So why do you say it was not, it was so-so? It was, and like, if the word of God is speaking... God is speaking to you. We need to listen. And just because it's not new, maybe God is reminding you of something. Maybe God's trying to say something over and over and again because we're not listening. We're not 
taking to heart what he's already spoken to us. So I want to encourage you, if God is saying something over and over and over again, that's probably God saying something to you. That's something you should like really listen and go, oh, God, are you trying to tell me something? Right? So I want to really challenge us. It's like, do you, are you really teachable? Because if not, I, not that you're wasting your time here, but I feel like you're not, getting, you're not getting the most out of our time together. So I want to challenge us. Are we hungry to learn? Do we long to hear from God? The second one, the, one, the opposite of giving up easily, uh, basically when any difficulty comes, they just, they say this is too hard. And so I want to say the opposite is someone who's faithful. Someone who's faithful. Because the word faith requires that you believe something to be true, and then as a result, you follow through with whatever you believe to be true, right? So someone who's faithful. I think for many people, including myself, it's the way I see faithfulness would be like, I'll hear a message, and I'll be like, I'm going to do quiet times every day for the rest of my life. And then you're excited, and then, ooh, all this other stuff starts happening, and you're like, God, I'm not, I'll, I'll do my quiet times. But then later on, it starts getting harder and more difficult, and then you start slowing down, and eventually you start, start picking up the Bible, you start sleeping a little longer, and you're just not following through. You're not consistent. And that's, I think, for a lot of us, we get super excited about certain things and truth, but we don't follow through. We don't take that and live it out fully as God has called us to do. And so maybe for some of us, that's the reason why we're not experiencing God to the depth that he wants us to, is we get excited, but we just don't, we're not faithful to his word. We're not faithful to his teaching. Um, I believe in our church, we have a lot of very disciplined people. So I feel like in general, this should not be a, much of a weakness for our church because we're very disciplined people. Um, but a lot of times, again, we might not take it quite as seriously as we should. And so I want to challenge us, as you are disciplined in other aspects of your life, as you do what's necessary to get the stuff done, will we take that hard commitment to also follow God, to obey God as he calls us? The third one is the thorny one. And I believe, again, this one really encapsulates our generation, our time. Basically, we have this field, but we have so many other things growing at the same time. And I just feel like with our generation, with all our phones and technology, emails, we're always so busy. Busy, busy. We're just all over the place trying to care of so many things. And again, those things are good, but once they overtake God, then it becomes unhealthy. And so it says, how does he describe it? He says, the cares of this world. The cares of this world, or the other one, the deceitfulness of wealth. The deceitfulness of wealth. And he's saying those are the attacks that we have on our hearts right now, is that the cares of the world is overwhelming us. We have all these things. We're like, oh, what about this? What about that? And we're like running so crazy because we have so many things to take care of. Or the deceitfulness of wealth. Oh, I just need money. Or just, what will money produce? It'll produce security, produce safety, and I'll, my life will be so much better. But whatever they are, our hearts are being torn in all these different ways. And instead of investing in God, we're investing in all these other things. And obviously this is a very graphic imagery. It's like it's choking out the word. Choking out what God is saying. And maybe some of us, that's what we're experiencing. We're feeling this choking sensation. Right? It's just, there's so many things pulling. It's like, I'm just so tired. I'm so busy. I don't know how to do this. And you feel like your life is being sucked out of you. And that's what he's saying. That's what happens when all these other things start overtaking God's word in our heart. And so, 
I guess I would like to say the positive word is, are you available? Are you available? When God says something, you're like, all right, God, sure, I'll do it. Or are you a type of person say, God, that's great. Oh, man, that's so awesome. But I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, maybe next week, God. I'll, I'll do it later. Because we're so consumed by the things we have to do now that we don't do, do it. I guess for me, I kind of think about, again, if I were to receive a text from my wife saying, Danny, can you go do this? I don't know how my wife, if I responded, Cammy, that's a great idea. Can I do it like next week? I'm a little busy right now, but next week, I'll try. I'm not going to guarantee, but I'll try next week. I, I guess for anyone who's married, I don't know how you would appreciate if your spouse, you just said, can you just go to the store, pick something up? And you'd be like, what? Next week? We need it now. What are you talking about next week? And it's for, I think, at least, I'm sure wives have this, but I know, especially made for the husbands, we know when there's this honey to-do list, it is a suggestion, but it's not really a suggestion. It's more, you're supposed to do this, right? And I'm just saying, for, for, at least for those who are married and are husbands, you have to eventually get it done. Because if you, you know, the simple proverb, happy wife, happy life, right? So, you know, you're just like, all right, I just got to do this. Sometimes, and sometimes you do it out of like true, like, feeling like, oh, I love her so much. Of course I want to do this for her. Oh, yeah, so excited. Sometimes you have that. Uh, but sometimes you're just like, all right, I got a lot of stuff, but all right, fine, I'll just go do it, right? So the range of the feeling may vary, but at the end of the day, you basically get it done. And I'm just saying, if you're willing, to, if for us as husbands, especially, if you're willing to do that for your wife, shouldn't you have that same intensity for God? Shouldn't you actually have greater intensity for God? If God says, go love this person, shouldn't you, like, some days you're like, yes, God, I'm so excited to love whoever you put in my life, awesome. And other days you're like, I'm not so excited, but because, God, you tell me to, all right, let's go. And I'm just saying, for my, I see in myself, I have so much more commitment to my wife than to God. And, I, and I, when I see that, I see that there's something wrong. I'm not available to God because I have so many things in this world that are wonderful and definitely gifts from God, but somehow I get my priorities all mixed up. And that's what this verse is challenging us is that are you going to be available to God? When God speaks, you're like, yes, God, I will do as you say. And so that's why when I put, when you put all these three things, that's when you have the good soil. Because if you're missing one of these three things, you're one of the bad soils. Like you're available, but you're not teachable then you have a hardened path. Satan will come and take your word. Right? If you're any of these three bad things, you're not going to be good soil. So I would say you have to be the positive of all these things. So in our ministry, we like to flip the words a little bit and we create an acronym. We want everyone to be fact. Okay? Faithful, available, and teachable. Faithful, available, teachable. And that is really the heart condition that where someone will grow. So in my ministry, at least especially in the college side, we, we get various students here and there, and sometimes the ones that are most attractive to most people will be, this guy knows the Bible, or this guy's been at church for a really long time. Oh, wow, this guy's a leader. This guy's really funny. This person has social skills, right? Or this guy's really good at basketball. Our team's going to be awesome this year. And you start like, kind of like thinking of people based on their talents and their abilities. But because of this passage, we look at people very differently. Ours is like, what is their heart? Are they excited to learn about God? Do they, when they hear whatever they learn, do they, are they faithful in putting it into practice? 
And as we come to time after time, those are the people who end up becoming leaders. They're the people who end up becoming strong Christians. Because it has nothing to do with the external stuff. It has everything to do with your heart. And I believe in our church, we actually have a lot of amazing hearts. But sometimes we have to be reminded, oh wow, I, used, I grew when I had these things, but maybe as we get older, we start losing some of those things, or we start being less enthusiastic. You know, I think for, even for myself, I am definitely not as available as I used to be. I think having children, I'm just even less available. And so I feel, I think for a lot of us, that it's really hard. But what Jesus is telling is not easy things, but things that are necessary, the things that for us to be the good soil. And so I want to, let's, let's encourage one another, like say this is not hard, easy, but it's worth it. To hear from God, it's worth it. Let's be faithful, let's be available, let's be teachable. And the last illustration uh, I want us to, uh, uh, illustration that Jesus gives us is Matthew seven twenty four to 27. And again, very famous, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. Again, this is not a problem with hearing the word God. It's not a problem with how good the seed is in the previous example. But it's just, will you do it? Very simple. And so as we hear, as we're trying to be faithful, available, and teachable to God, will we just follow through? Will we do it? And so our obedience is essential. Um, and and as, again, as I kind of shared the analogy of like, like maybe like a honey to-do list for my wife or my wife texts me to do something, that is on the basis that we actually love each other, on the basis that we have a committed relationship. Like, wouldn't it be weird if you get a random text from someone and say, hey, can you pick this up for me? And you're like, yo, I don't even know you. Who are you asking me to do this? It's kind of weird. Like, you don't expect them to listen and to obey, right? It's just kind of weird, right? But it only makes sense in the basis of a love relationship. When people are committed to each other, and when they ask for something, they're like, they're not trying to do something to mess me up or to have one over than me. They just have a legitimate need, and I'm given this opportunity, right? And just even on a human level, this relationship only happens in a community relationship. And so that's why, likewise, when God calls us to obedience, it's this understanding that we actually know God and have a relationship with Him. So when He asks us, it's not something so painful or hard, though at times it can be, but it's out of God's love for us, His committed love to us. And that he, everything that He says for us is for our good, for our benefit, ultimately for the glory of God. So again, I just want to review our question for today. New New City Catechism, can we ask the question? Question 42, how is the word uh, to be read and heard? And the answer, with diligence, preparation, and prayer, so that we may accept it with faith, store in our hearts, and practice it in our lives. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this time together. I thank you that you want to reveal yourself to us. That it's just not nice thinking or just warm, fuzzy feelings. But God, you really want to manifest yourself to us. Thank you that some of those other experiences of maybe having a mountain high experience or hearing an audible voice would be awesome. But you've given us something even better, your word. So I pray that you would help us to 
understand, appreciate, fall more in love with your word, which reveals Jesus, reveals about you, God. And God, I pray that you would help our hearts as for us. It's not the knowledge or information, but many times it's just our heart attitude. We just find ourselves out of sorts, and instead of coming with enthusiasm every Sunday to church, we're so busy thinking about what I have to do after church or the responsibility for the rest of the week that we're not available to hear from you. We're just so caught up with so many other things. But Lord, I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for your people that sometimes we just need a friendly reminder again. Sometimes we need rebuke. But God, thank you that this call is a call back to a relationship with you. It's a call to be restored in you. It's a call to a life that's full and abundant with you. And so thank you for your word. Thank you for this church. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to take one step every day, to take one step in obedience to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.